0: listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Excited to share what God's put on my heart. Today we're talking about the topic of the the message is this, a thief called busy. Uh, You know, last week was 4th of July, last Sunday, and us as a church, we just took a moment and we took what we call a Sabbath Sunday, where we were intentional with not meeting together physically, but just actually taking a moment to pause and to rest and to reflect and to invest in our families. And I don't know about you, but whenever it comes to taking a day off, whenever it comes to actually pausing and taking a Sabbath, sometimes it's a little bit of a fight. Anybody else feel that? It's a little bit of a fight to actually mentally unplug, to, you know, emotionally unplug from certain things. Right now in the DeBell household, we are teaching Gavin, our son, he's seven years old, we're teaching him to ride his bike without training wheels. Any parents been through that before without training wheels? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's been a little bit of a journey. Uh, I've been getting a lot of cardio in, uh, to say the least, with running alongside Gavin's bike. And a few days ago, it just hit me. I said, there's got to be a better way than me running with you as we do this, especially in 90 degree weather in Oklahoma, right? There's got to be a better way. And so I talked to one of my friends who is a pastor in Detroit and he, he's successfully, three of his kids have learned to ride a bike without training wheels. And I said, man, how did you do it? What are the, what's the trick? And he said, the first thing you got to do to get their confidence up is he said, you need to teach them how to stop. If they know how to stop, that way once they get going, they'll have confidence. If I'm going too fast, I can stop. At least I know I can stop and put the bike down. And he said, teach them how to stop first. And I thought, man, that's a good nugget for riding bikes. However, I said that's also a great lesson for life. Because so many times, what do we what do we do in our culture? It's go. It's strive. It's run. It's be the best. It's be number one. You need to win. It's, it's, it's you against everybody. I'm trying to stand out. I'm trying to go, go, go. I'm trying to be successful. But yet many times we don't talk about how do I stop? How do I slow down in life? Because life, whether you want it to or not, is going to continue to pick up until eventually it, it, it's, it's, it's over. And all of a sudden it's like, what happened? I look back and where did decades of my life go? How do we actually be in the moment, but learn how to slow down or even stop from time to time. It's the same thing that happens in our schools, right? We go to school and what happens? We have homework, right? Gavin was in first grade last year and he comes home with homework. And I mean, it wasn't much, but still homework. And then we grow up and then I'm an adult and now I take work home. And what happens? My marriage is in trouble because I'm always working. Well, that's what I was taught from five, six years old. What do I do? Homework. When I go home, I keep working. That's what I've been doing all day. Our culture says, go, 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 go. And our 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 drive to be successful is, yes, I want to do that. I want to be successful. I want to have my needs met, so I'm gonna go. But if we're not careful, busyness can be a thief of some of the most important things that God has for us. But in our culture, busyness is what? It's a badge of honor. How you doing? I'm busy, man. I I got a lot going on. How are you? I'm busy. And many times we fall into the lie or the misconception that busyness means I'm being productive. Just because my schedule's full doesn't mean I'm actually being productive, or my schedule's full, so I'm important. My schedule's full, or what I'm doing has value. That's not always the case. Busyness is many times a thief. And one of my pastors years ago, he told me this. He said, look, In this walk with God, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If the devil can't make you bad, if he can't make you cheat on your spouse or cheat at work or whatever, okay? If he can't make you bad, he's just going to make you busy. Because busyness means distraction. Busyness means I don't have time for the important things. I have urgent things but not important things. Busyness is one of the biggest enemies of discipleship. If I want to grow in the Lord, I have to look at my schedule and say, what is stealing my time from seeing the results that God has for me? Because I promise there's going to be at least a few things. Maybe there's a lot of things depending on the season of life you're in. Busyness is one of the greatest enemies of discipleship, and here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at a story in God's Word, in the life of Jesus, where Jesus addresses this, and it's such a short story, but there's so much that we can learn from it, and we're going to read it together, and then we'll dive into it. Luke Luke 10, starting in verse 38, says this. This is the New Living. It says, And Jesus, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. So she came to Jesus, and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and to help me. What's going on here? But the Lord said to her, I love this. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. But there is one thing, say that, one thing, say it, one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I don't know about you, but I understand Martha, right? I was one of those kids who, I was going to share, be transparent today. I was one of those kids when I was growing up, I was actually a pretty neat kid, like not like neat isn't cool, but like neat is in the uh, you know keeping my uh, my stuff clean and organized. I I was one of those kids. I enjoyed making the bed when I got up, and so much so that if my mom ever would make the bed, she's here she would tell you about this. If she, if she would make my bed for me before I got to it, there were several times where I would go and I would tell her, I don't know five six seven years old, mom, you did a good job making my bed this morning. That was that kid, right? That seems a little annoying now that I'm thinking about it as a parent, but. Um, <laughs> But that's who I was. I was that kid. But my brothers were not those kids. I have two older brothers. My brothers were not those kids. And I always shared a room with my brothers. And I was several times to the point where I'm going to put a piece of tape down the line. Like you stay with your junk over there. And I'm going to clean over here. And I'm going to vacuum my half. And I can't even see the floor on your half. Like I need some space here. But I understand Martha because I understand if I was in her shoes, I would do the same thing. Jesus is coming to my house. If Jesus came to your house, apartment, wherever you live today, what would your reaction be? Uh, yeah, I get Martha, right? Scramble, like I'm, I'm working because it's Jesus. He's going to be here. But Mary's perspective is so interesting. What she immediately sits at his feet and begins to listen. And here's what I want to talk about today. is I want to talk about three things that, that busy will steal from your life that we can see in this story. The first one is this. Busy will steal your perspective. Busy steals your perspective. This is the first thing to go. And what's tough is this is the one that is, um, it's difficult to, um, to identify when my perspective's been changed or it steals my perspective. Busy will steal your perspective. Mary sat at, at Jesus' feet looking to and learning from him. Martha was distracted, having her eyes solely on the tasks at hand. And many times we can become so busy that all we see is our to-do list in front of us, and we forget that the most important to-do every day is to spend time at the feet of Jesus. I got a lot of to-dos. Does this story show us that, well, I I don't have to take care of my house, and I can have, you know, old food and and, and trash in my house, and, well, I'm I'm spending time with Jesus today. I'm not going to clean up my house. No, that's not it. God calls us to be what? A good steward, right? Steward well. That's not what we're saying. It doesn't mean I'm not going to do the laundry or do the dishes or or cook for my family. I'm going to neglect my family's health and cleanliness so I can be with Jesus. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's a balance to this. There's a balance to this. But the most important to do, you may have a lot of to do's, but the most important is have I spent time at the feet of Jesus today? Not just on Sunday, but today. Because if not, my perspective on life begins to drift. Hebrews says it like this, Hebrews 12, one through two, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and he perfects our faith. If I'm going to run this race of life with endurance, if I'm going to make it to the end and run well, my eyes have to solely be fixed on Jesus. But so many times I'm going and the first thing that happens is I get distracted so I'm not spending time with Jesus, but I have all these to-dos, and so as soon as I get up, I don't even start my day with thanks anymore to Jesus. I don't start my day with gratitude to my Heavenly Father for giving me breath in my lungs. I start my day with my phone, and I say, what do I have today? I check the emails that came in overnight. What do I have going on? Who liked my post? And know, immediately, I go right into busy, and I lose sight of my closeness with my Savior but here's the most dangerous part that happens. As perspective begins to drift, and that's just step one, but a few steps later, what happens is crisis happens in life. And whenever crisis happens in life, if I don't have perspective, specifically God's perspective on the situation, I will have no faith. That's a great visual of what faith is. Faith is walking into the situation with God's vision. Meaning this, I'm facing a crisis right? I have someone in my family member or my family who's sick, who needs help, right? I have a a crisis that has come up. If faith, my faith eyes, if you want to call them that, in my heart, my faith needs to see them uh, in agreement with God's word, which is healed before it manifests in the physical. But my flesh will come in if I don't have my perspective, which is God's vision, my flesh will come in and say, this is really bad. I don't know what we're going to do. Number one, I don't know what we're going to do about the sickness, but I don't know what we're going to do about these medical bills, and I don't know what's going to happen. And what happens, what begins to set in next is panic and fear. But it all started from a simple move from keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus. And the second thing is this. So busy will steal my perspective, number one, but the second thing is this. That's right afterwards. Busy steals my peace. Busy will steal your peace. Perspective is just the first step. It's the hardest to identify because it's such a gradual turn of the ship. But peace is where it becomes more evident, uh, evident and obvious. Let's look at this verse in Matthew 11. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. It says this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Here's what's amazing about this. This is true about the burdens of life that come on us as we go through life with life experience. My schedule's busy. I got a lot of pressure at work. My marriage is in a tough spot right now. Like I have these burdens and Jesus has come to me. That's true. But in context, these verses are about religious responsibilities. He is contradicting and he's showing you, look, in the old before, Jesus said, before I came, when you were walking in agreement with the law and all of these rules and to do's that you had to follow, he said, it is it heavy because you got a rule book that you got to follow. You got all these rules and you better not mess up. And if you mess up, you got to do all these things to make it right. But he's saying, look, if that happens, he says, look, you need to come to me. Come to me. And if you will follow me, these rules will not be a burden to you. These rules are not something that you have to do, but it's something that happens in you now. It's something that will happen in you. It's religion versus relationship. And here's why this is important for us today when it comes to our peace. Many people justify being busy because they're busy doing good things. Let me say that again. <laughs> Many people justify being busy because I'm busy doing good things. Right? I'm at school. I got work. I'm going to church. I'm hanging out with my friends. Good things. But that's exactly what Martha was doing. Good things. She was doing good things. She wasn't living in sin. She was doing all these good things, but what was it doing? It was stealing from her. Too many good Christians are busy doing good things, and their life is still lived in turmoil. Like, I know these people personally, if I'm being honest. I know too many good Christians, busy doing good things, that still live a life of turmoil. What is turmoil? It's a state of disturbance, confusion, and uncertainty. The world around them has created their life to be disturbing, confusing, and uncertain. It steals our peace. There is nothing else. That can give me peace in this world except closeness with Jesus. And that's why peace is what? A fruit of the Spirit. And we talk about this all the time. So many people are striving for peace. Well, I want to have peace. Well, they're trying to get a fruit without focusing on the root of the issue. The root of the issue is am I abiding in Christ? Am I seeking him every day? And if I am, peace is produced in me. So many people, I'm I'm trying to be more patient, right? I'm trying to be more patient with my my kids, my spouse. I'm trying to have more self-control, so I won't do that or say that or look at that. But Jesus says it's a fruit of the Spirit. He says, if you will come to me, fix your eyes on me, spend time with me at my feet every day, I will give you that fruit. But it has to start here, intimately, intimately, intimately. And so when I find myself, and to be honest here, when I find myself tired, anxious, nervous, confused, I know that those are not fruits of the Spirit. So then those are signs for me personally. I'm just talking about Pastor Dan. Those are signs for me when I'm nervous about something, anxious about the future, uncertain. Those are signs for me to say, hang on, how was my time with God today? How was my time? Did I actually sit at his feet today or did I kind of do it in passing? Like, oh, hey, Jesus, he's in my living room and I just keep walking. I read the verse of the day on the app, right, and I just keep walking. Did I spend time at his feet or did I just check the box? That's the difference between expecting the fruit to manifest versus I'm trying to be better. Jesus said there's one thing worth being concerned about. It's closeness with him. Here's the big one. I'll leave you with this. Nice, short, and sweet today. Number three, busy steals your purpose. Busy steals your purpose. Perspective is step one. Peace is the obvious step number two. Something's not right. Purpose is the one that hurts the worst in the long run. Busy steals your purpose. Martha was concerned about being a proper Host or hostess, right? Mary was concerned with being a proper disciple. Being a, good, being a good host is not a bad thing, but it's definitely not the most important thing. Many of us are consumed with the good things in life. I'm doing all of these good things. When the Bible tells us to be consumed with godly things, My to-do list is full of good things. But have I made room for the godly things in there? Because that's the game changer. My number one calling in life, my number one purpose, is to be a disciple first. A son, a daughter of the Almighty God first. We get confused, though. What happens? We get confused and we think, well, my career is my calling. My job is my calling. It's my highest one, right? I'm I'm called to be this. I'm called to be a pastor. Hold on. What I'm being paid to do, whether it's a pastor, a plumber, an architect, whatever it is, what I'm being paid to do is just an avenue for God to use me impact the world. It's not my calling. My calling is so much greater than that. My calling is son. My calling is daughter. My calling is disciple. And if I will fix my focus on that, I can make an impact. But we get confused. While this is my job, this must be my whole life. Your life is so much greater. Your life is so much more important than your job. It's so much more important. And I promise you, If we will fix our perspective on that, if we will remember who I am first, my highest calling is disciple, it's son, it's daughter. If I will remember that first, my job and everything I put my hand to will be abundantly blessed because my action is right. This is exactly what Jason talked about yesterday at the man at breakfast. My action is right when I'm doing it with the right heart as unto the Lord. When the details, the worries, and the to-dos of this life consume me, I lose sight of my most important purpose. And let me show you what this means. There's an interesting passage in 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 11. And it says this. Let me read it, and then we'll talk about how it applies. It says this. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation, they may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer a great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone who barely is escaping through a wall of flames. What an interesting few verses. But this is a direct picture of Mary and Martha. Let me show you. Mary and Martha both loved Jesus. That was their foundation. Same foundation, rock solid, on the rock. However, they both chose very different spiritual building materials to build their life with. Very different. What was Martha doing? <laughs> She had a foundation of Jesus. She loved him. But because she was distracted from her discipleship by the to-dos of this life, she was building on that foundation of Jesus with wood and with hay and with straw, not physically, spiritually. If you could see into the spiritual realm, you could see what she is doing, everything she's striving. Is she making progress? Sure. But at the end of the age, Jesus says, "This, this stuff that you're running around doing, my dear Martha, as Jesus would say. It's all for nothing. It's going to be burnt up. It's, it's a good thing that you have a clean house. It's a good thing you're preparing a meal for me. I, I, I love that. But don't Jesus says, don't miss me in the to-dos. It's good. You're doing good things, but don't miss me. He's saying, where am I in it? If I'm in it at all. Am I, am I even there? It'll all be burned up. What was Mary doing on the, con- on the opposite side? She had a foundation of Jesus because she was, and because she was more concerned with her closeness with him than anything else. She was building her life with gold, silver, and jewels. Everything that will last the test of time. All because of one simple approach with her heart. Have I been with Jesus today? Have I spent a few moments at his feet? First Corinthians says it will last the test of time that when the fire comes, it will still be standing and they will receive their reward. And this is why at the end of that story in Luke ten forty two, Jesus says, look, there's one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And what does he say? It will not be taken away from her. Now that makes sense. What does it mean it won't be taken away from her? Look, when she steps into his glory someday, when she is welcomed into heaven someday, everything that she did because she was fixed and focused and concerned with being a good disciple and daughter, what happened? It will not be taken away because she built her life with the right things not in the physical, in the spiritual. And so here's what happens. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but in the action step today, here's what it says. Start every day at the feet of Jesus. Start every day at the feet of Jesus. How you start your day is, is, is it, how you start your day is you gathering building materials for how you will build that day. How you start your day is you gathering the materials for how you will build that day. So when I start my day at the feet of Jesus, it's as if a a construction worker was going to the lumber yard, but rather than getting lumber, what did he do? He said, give me the real stuff. Give me some of that gold. Give me some of those jewels. I'm going to build with that today. He loads it up in the truck and he goes to the job site. But if I don't spend time at the feet of Jesus, I'm still going to the lumber yard, but I'm getting all stuff that's going to be burned up. I'm still building, so at the end of the day, I feel good about myself, pat myself on the back. I built today, but it was wood and it was hay and it was straw. And someday Jesus will say, I had so much, and this is what breaks my heart. Being a pastor is that I can see the potential in people, but it's a simple act of being at his feet daily and in his presence looking to, listening to, and learning from that will allow you to build your life in the spiritual realm with things that will last forever. And someday when you see your Savior face to face, you will have a reward to put at his feet and say, I did this for you. But woe to to those of us who would get to heaven someday. And Jesus said, I have so much, I had so much more and you see other people putting their their rewards at the feet of Jesus and how you would long to have something to give. But you had nothing because we were consumed with the to-dos and busy stole it from us. Busy is not a badge of honor. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll just make you busy. Because the thief called busy will steal your perspective. He'll steal your peace and ultimately he's going to steal your purpose. You may live a great life, but in this life are you building for the kingdom or are you just building in vain with the wrong materials? And that's the reflection questions today. <laughs> Who have I been lately? Think back to this week. How many times did you spend daily at the feet of Jesus? How many days? How many moments How many times did you just get quiet? What does it mean to be at the feet of Jesus? (laughs) It means simply getting quiet in an undistracted place. Not driving your car. That's distracted. (laughs) It's distracted driving. No. Quiet. Undistracted. No electronics. In his presence. In his word. That's the feet of Jesus. That's where you will find him like you've never found him before. Is there something in your life, is there a busy thing you need to cut out of your calendar? I'm allowing this to keep me from God's best. And here's the thing, don't read this like, is there a sinful thing I need to stop doing? (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. Is there a good thing? Not neglecting your family, not, that's not what I'm talking about. Not quitting your job, okay, unless the Holy Spirit's telling you that. Don't do that, I'm not saying that. Is there a good thing though? that I fooled myself into doing, but that's just stealing from me. It's just stealing from me. A great example that we've been trying to get better at in our household is this. It's so easy to have a meal in the living room watching a show. That's not quality time. Statistics show that kids who grow up up in a home where they have meals together at night, they have dinner together without phones, their success rate in school, their everything, it sets them up for... Success, to put it short. So what are we trying to get better at? Is, is us watching a show bad? Not necessarily. Is it a distraction? And is it busyness that's keeping me from my purpose, which is being a good disciple, number one, but then creating more disciples, number two, to my family? Yeah, it's busy. And I need to just make an adjustment. It doesn't mean I'm stopped watching TV necessarily. It just means, hey, you know what? We're going to be intentional with eating together without phones. And let God work. It's not hard. That's one example. And if you have one in your life, I guarantee the Holy Spirit's prompting you right now on what it is. What's that busy thing that you need to cut out? Start every day at the feet of Jesus. How you start your day is you gathering the building materials for your day. Gold, silver, or jewels? Wood, hay, or straw? What will you choose? Choose well this week. Choose well this week. And watch how God will use you to steward his kingdom well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is good. Your word is true. God, we thank you that you've allowed us to steward your kingdom. We thank you that you've allowed us to live this life at this moment in this time with our families, with our friends to make an impact. And Lord, I pray as we walk in obedience to your word, as we cut out some of the busyness in our life, as we choose to slow down rather than to speed up, as we choose to be intentional with our time, I just pray, Lord, that you would go to work, that you would fill those times that we have made for you with your presence, that you are abundantly available in the secret place when we seek you. And Lord, I thank you that as we seek you in secret, your word says that you will reward us openly. You're going to use us greater than we've ever been used before. You're going to work through us and flow through us better than you've ever done it before. Holy Spirit as our helper. Help us do it. Help us have the boldness to cut out some busy this week so we can can stay focused. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.